Well, the sermon this morning is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. And I'll just read that segment, and you can follow along either from your bulletin or from the Bible that's in the pew. After this manner, therefore pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. That is the word of God. Well, it is my joy to be with all of you here again this morning as we pick up from where we left off last in the Lord's Prayer. And for those of you keeping notes, you'll know that this is now the fourth sermon in our series on the world's most famous prayer. And the focus this morning will be on verse 11. It is the fourth petition out of six petitions, and it reads, Give us this day our daily bread. And with this verse, our good Lord invites us to request God, not just for food, but for all of our most basic needs. And before you simply dismiss it (coughs) as a verse of trivial importance, I want to put out there that this petition, I believe, is a truly radical request. You might be thinking, oh boy, you're just saying that, Pastor. How in the world is asking God for bread a radical request? Well, stay with me. I want to explain why. And before I get into the exposition of the text this morning, allow me to ask you a question. A very simple question. How much does an average small cup of coffee cost at Starbucks? You know, they say tall, right? Tall is small. How much? And for those of you who drink Starbucks, you know that the answer is roughly... Give or take a few cents, depending on the location of the Starbucks. So, Lampok is probably cheaper than a Starbucks in Santa Barbara, but you get the point. It's roughly around that figure. Well, did you know that according to figures released by World Bank, roughly 767 million people around the world, more than 10% of the world's population, live on less than $1.90 a day. That's right, $1.90, less than a small, this is not even a grande, this is a small cup of coffee at Starbucks, less than $1.90. And why am I bringing up this statistic? I bring it up because theoretically the world, this is a fact, theoretically the world produces enough food to feed everyone. If we wanted to, if, we, if everybody on this planet reached a consensus, we could cure world hunger tomorrow. There's enough food for everyone. That's a fact. But due to poverty, not everyone has the resources to purchase food. In fact, poverty is the number one reason, the number one cause of world hunger. I want to repeat that. Poverty is the number one cause of world hunger. All over the world today. 
Over 75% of the world's poorest people still grow their own food. And why is that a problem? It's disturbing because it causes widespread food insecurity in developing countries as famine, climate change, and natural disasters could all easily cut off a family's entire food supply. Each year, just think about this, those of you with children, over 3 million children die each year of hunger. Over 3 million. And earlier I said that verse 11 was a radical request, and here's why. For those of you raised in America, verse 11 doesn't sound very radical, does it? We often have food to spare, and in fact, most of us have to routinely throw our leftovers out. What a blessing. Honestly, many of us no longer even pause to prayerfully give thanks before our meals. It kind of seems cheesy, and we kind of press forward. Food is abundantly available all around us, and we are very well fed. But roughly 2,000 years ago, when Jesus spoke these words, long before the Industrial Revolution... When our Lord preached verse 11 to an audience, that audience was very much, not so much like Americans today, but that audience was like the 75% of today's poorest who still grow their own food. Verse 11, therefore, meant something radical for them. It it, it meant something that you and I probably will never understand. Daily bread was the difference between life and death. Verse 11 meant that God the Father knew about their frail conditions, cared about their daily provision, and was inviting them to make honest supplication. If you recall, when Jesus takes those five loaves and two fish and feeds a mass that we don't know the number. We know that the men just numbered in 5,000, but combined with women and children, it must have been a number far greater. But the mindset here is the reason why after Jesus performed that miracle, they were about to take Him by force, Scripture says, and make Him king. Bread was the difference between life or death. In fact, in Roman culture, many slaves chose to be slaves because bread was provided to them. There are three powerful life application principles I want you to leave here this morning with. This isn't you come in and just hear an inspirational talk. I want you to leave here applying the Word of God. And I'm going to give them to you up front so you could listen carefully to the rest of the message. Application number one. It's not about bread, it's about worship. Number two. It's about dependence. It's about dependence. Number three. um, Before I even get into number three, let me see this. Verse 11, if prayed honestly is an authentic declaration that you need God every single day. But number three, it's about love. Love. 
God loves you and is inviting you to make his love known to others. So number one, it's, it's about worship. Number two, it's about dependence. And number three, it's about love. So let me draw this out. The Greek word here in verse 11 for the word bread is artin. And it is one of the most powerful symbols of God's provisions throughout the entire scripture. Bread was a staple of Jewish diet. And it had been for thousands of years. And in the Old Testament, bread was so vital, if you remember after they came out of Egypt, bread was so vital, the Jews were willing to return to slavery in Egypt because unlike the wilderness, they were given bread to eat. And thankfully, God prevented them from doing that by miraculously, you remember what He did? He rained down bread from heaven. It was called manna. He literally rained down bread from heaven because had He not done that, These people were willing to go back into slavery. Why? Because of bread. But before he rained down manna, do you remember what they did? They made a golden calf and attempted to return to Egypt. And therein lies a powerful application for all of us. Before you read the Lord's Prayer and just skim through it, pause at verse 11 and realize that verse 11 at its core is about worship. The golden calf was really about bread. God, the God of Moses, was not giving them bread. So here is your God who will give you bread, O Israel. And they worshipped. Golden calf was really about bread and things haven't changed much within the hearts of men. You see, friends, it's not just about bread. Rather, it's about the provider of bread. I want you to listen to me closely. Human beings will genuinely worship whoever they think will give them bread. I'm going to repeat that. Human beings will genuinely worship whoever they think will give them bread. You see it in vastly different degrees. Even in the military, you see people bending over backwards sometimes towards people who they think will help them move up the ranks a little bit. Listen to me carefully, and and I want you to sever any false attribution here today, because if you don't, it will lead you into trouble. The Israelites worshipped the golden calf because they thought it would give them bread in the wilderness. Civilizations all over the world have created, and till this day, worship false gods out of the belief that they will provide them with food. And in our society today, people worship their jobs out of the belief that life is sustained through the work of their hands. And time and time again, God reminded the Israelites, it wasn't through your hands you were fed. I'm giving you bread out of heaven. That was his point. No one could say they earned that bread. I have seen Christians compromise their faith in order to get ahead at their jobs. Why? Because of bread. Because they've stopped believing the fact that God is the true source of our daily bread. Until this day, we still worship our perceived bread givers. Who's your bread giver today? And the question for you today is that exactly what I just said. Who is your bread giver? Is your, is it In your mind, is it your employer or is it Almighty God? 
And remember the words of Christ, no man ever serves two masters. There's a reason why Jesus said that. Seek first the kingdom of God and your bread will be given to you. Money, however, says, pursue me and I'll give you bread. Who are you going to follow? Trust God on that, I implore you. Second, so first, it's about worship. I hope you get to see, you, you, you saw why. Second, it's about dependence. In verse 11, the notion of bread encompasses all of our daily needs, from the smallest to the biggest. In fact, by commanding us to pray, verse 11, Jesus is essentially reminding us that the complete totality of our lives depend upon God. Again, as Americans, we don't get to see this too much because we live in a culture of Costco. We buy things we don't even need. But for many in the audience of Christ, bread meant life. And so when we pray for our daily bread, we are recognizing that the totality of our lives depend on God, our existence. And what does that show? It shows that a prayerless life is an independent life that declares God as useless. That's such an important point. Let me repeat that. A prayerless life is an independent life that declares God as useless. Why pray? I got this. Prayer, on the other hand, is an acknowledgement of our dependence upon God. Verse 11, and prayer as a whole, is one of the foremost evidences of faith in God. Do you start off each day on your knees? Do you? Because if you don't, that is an implicit declaration. God, I don't need you. I got this today. Through prayer, we acknowledge that God doesn't just make a difference in our lives. We are declaring that He is the very source of life itself. So massive is this notion of bread that in John 6.35, Jesus takes it and puts it upon Himself. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Friend, are you hungering today? Starving spiritually? Searching, maybe for a new relationship, maybe for a new job, whatever it is, maybe for a new vacation, but you still haven't found satisfaction. Your soul is hungry. Jesus is the bread that your soul is hungering for. And you can find direction and satisfaction in your life by believing in the gospel today. It's not just a ticket out of hell. It is the very essence of life itself. What is the gospel? Four essential points. There is a holy God who loves you. And we hear a lot about God's love, but the reality is that He is holy and therefore must administer justice for sin. But the bad news is that every single one of us in this room, myself included, we are sinners against the holy God, and therefore we deserve eternal punishment in hell for our sins. There's no way around that. No good work can counteract our bad works. Once we are sinners, we deserve hell for our sins. But the great news is that God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, Jesus, 
who was fully God and fully man, He died on the cross for your sins in your place, and on the third day, He historically resurrected from the grave so that if you would repent from your life of sin and believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have eternal life. That is the gospel. And the moment you believe in that gospel, you become a Christian. You've attained the bread of life. Hunger no more, friend. Jesus will satisfy you in a manner that no one else will. I guarantee you that. And maybe you have been a Christian for some time now and you're still hungering. The Father welcomes you back. Eat of Christ today. Return home. Third, verse 11 is about love. You know, in many American homes, and we don't really do this anymore, but at least when I was growing up in many American homes, the father was often referred to as what? The breadwinner. The bread. Even in our slang today, some of us use the word bread to mean money. I got to go make bread. It's another way of saying I, got, I have to go make a salary. In our language today, bread still remains a powerful symbol for our most basic needs. Without bread, we will soon die. And thus, when Christ invites us to pray verse 11, He is inviting you to know the Father's love. To cast our deepest and most fundamental anxieties upon a living God who truly loves us and wishes to demonstrate His love to us by providing us for our most basic needs. And so this also, as a corollary, I just want to quickly say this. There is no need too small for you to be embarrassed to bring to God. Take your smallest needs and bring it to the Lord. He welcomes it. He demonstrates His love to us by providing us with our needs. And it all ties back to our very first line. What does the Lord's Prayer open with? Our Father who art in heaven. He's your dad. And it is an act of love to provide you with daily bread. I was writing this sermon and I remembered uh, a memory. When I was growing up as a junior high school student in New York City, Brooklyn, uh, my father was not a man of many words. Uh, once in a while, would give me $2.25 before he dropped me off at school. You might be wondering why in the world $2.25. Uh, my junior high school in Brooklyn was right next to a Burger King. And uh, they used to let us out for lunch once you hit 7th and 8th grade. And occasionally, Burger King would have a special where they would sell two burgers and two fries for $2. And $0.25 cents was for tax. So two twenty-five. Those were my favorite days. Those were my favorite days. All morning, I couldn't wait for lunchtime to roll around. I dreamed about those delicious flame-broiled burgers. I'm getting hungry thinking about it right now. Looking back, I realized two things. Number one, that my present-day love for the Whopper probably comes back from junior high school. And number two, my dad, through Burger King demonstrated his love for me. He was not a rich man, but 
I remember that the 225 symbolized that although he was not rich, that was his way of demonstrating his love to me. And you know, as a father now, I, I, I know I speak for fathers all over the world that as dads, we are willing to bear some of the most gruesome burdens in the world so that our children will have food to eat. Those of us in the military, you know what I'm talking about. You go through deployments. Those of you who are married, you, de- you deploy. One of the reasons was, is so that your children will have food to eat. You will go to the most difficult places in the world so that your children are fed. It is the way you demonstrate your love. And your Heavenly Father is no different. In a much greater way, our Heavenly Father invites us to cast our anxieties aside and trust Him, His love, and His provision. So allow me to close with a story this morning. And it takes place at the end of the Korean War. When the Korean War ended, I read this account that South Korea was left with a large number of children who had been orphaned by the war. And we've seen the same thing in Vietnam, in Bosnia, and other places that are war-torn. In the case of Korea, relief agencies came in to deal with all the problems that arose in connection with having so many orphaned children. One of the people involved in this relief effort said that there was a problem they encountered with children who were in orphanages. You want to know what that problem was? Even though the children had three meals a day provided for them, they were restless and anxious at night and had difficulty sleeping. As they talked to the children, they soon discovered that they had a great amount of anxiety about whether or not they would be able to eat the next day. They were just so accustomed to living on the streets. And so to help resolve this problem, the relief workers in one particular orphanage decided that each night when the children were put to bed, the nurses would place a single piece of bread in each child's hand. The bread wasn't intended to be eaten. It was simply intended to be held by the child as he or she went to sleep. It was, if you will, a security blanket for them. Reminding them that there would be provision for their daily needs tomorrow. And sure enough, the bread calmed the children's anxieties and helped them to sleep. Friend, maybe you have anxiety. Maybe you have difficulty trusting God. In today's scripture, with verse 11, God is giving you your piece of bread. He's telling you that you are to take comfort in knowing that your physical needs will be met in Him. That your bread will be taken care of by your Father in heaven. For He has promised to never leave us, nor forsake us. Amen? Let us pray. Our Father, thank You. Thank You for...